This week on Moonshine and Music. We add more than anything. <laughs> the guy, uh, Adam Calfee, who was the band leader, uh, we had one practice. He's like, here, here's a tape, listen to this, and then come back for practice and we'll, we'll sing. And he goes, try to add some harmony to it. And so I got the, um, the nickname VD. And, and from a Christian band because he said it added vocal depth. He just looks at me and goes, v, you got VD, man. You got VD. And of course, <laughs> you know, I'm thinking something completely different. But <laughs> Won't seem like that long ago I took you as my bride Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 23 of Moonshine and Music, the perfect music show. My name is Joe Shelton, and I am your host for today and every day. Every Sunday, we put together this show and uh, let you know a little bit about artists and what they're going through in the, in the world, where they came from, and help you to get to know them. And we let them perform live and in high quality right here. Anyway, today's guest is Mikey Goode, and Mikey is not just a great music artist and songwriter, he is also a cooking show star. Recipes that croc.com, um, that is his domain, and he puts together a video YouTube show uh, on cooking, which is really entertaining, and every once in a while you can catch him playing some music out live somewhere, writing some songs, he's putting together a record. Anyway. Today, he is on the show, and I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. So let's get started right here, right now, on Moonshine and Music. Welcome to Moonshine and Music, Mikey Good. Hello, nice to be here. Uh, good to see you again. You. Um, so, uh, you know, where to begin? I um, we usually start off with, you know, childhood. Where were you born? Where are you from? All that. Uh, I was born in Danville, Indiana. I was raised in North Salem, Indiana, uh, about what 25 30 miles west of here uh in the middle of a junkyard that's what my dad did for a living was he sold junk he had a uh, a filling station service station all that until i was about 12 years old but uh ever since he was a uh he was born in a junkyard as well that's what his daddy did so uh yeah i was raised in the middle of a junkyard and worked in it all my you know adolescent life and teenage life and then <laughs> got to escape by going to college so i didn't have to do it anymore oh, yeah. but, um, so did you go to school down there what was the i went uh i went to college i went to tri west uh was our high school and then i went to indiana state for college okay so close enough to home so i come see mom but far enough away where i could say dad i got stuff to do at college i don't i can't have time to come work in a junkyard this weekend <laughs> so um when you uh what did you uh, what did you you know when you were growing up did you uh, play music at an early age sports what, what, was, uh, your, what no. was your big things i was in band i was uh definitely had a ball in our marching band i was a drummer um back in the day uh snare drummer in a marching band and then i kind of learned um, a friend of mine sat me down and kind of taught me how to play uh the drum set 
And so I did that. Um, when I was 17, I kind of expressed some interest and said, you know, I wouldn't mind a guitar for Christmas. And so they bought me uh, a used Alvarez, or I'm sorry, Ibanez. And I got an old uh, six string at home, no, no pickups, no nothing. The action on it was probably about a good, maybe quarter inch, you know, from the strings to the neck. So really build up that, that core strength in your hand because the action was horrible on it. And I played that a little bit fell out of it you know my senior year was more about girls and you know and, and being the cool senior and stuff like that so I kind of fell away from it and then I got to college and I found out real quick chicks dig guys who play guitar it really you know you hear the joke about it all the time but you get there and then you know somebody will see this guitar that you brought from home just to decorate in your dorm room they're like oh you play guitar I'm like I better learn and so I started playing it um, I was in a, a, a little band in, in college what was the name of that band? Uh, it was the name was Eddie Fi. It was a it was a Christian little Christian band that uh, some some buddies had, had I put together, and they're like, we need somebody who sings background vocals. And uh, until then, I really I, I didn't sing much. I was in choir and stuff, but I I couldn't really carry a tune in a bucket. And uh, my uh, the only way that I really learned how to sing was my aunt. Uh, when I since I was a little kid, she would pick me up every Sunday morning and take me to Sunday school and church. And then I stood next to him in church and I would listen to her and her husband sing together. And husband was always, Uncle Delmer was always on melody and Aunt Doris was always on harmony. And I could, and I started to hear that, how to make music happen, how, it, how to make it pretty, how to make it dissonant. And I learned how to sing through them, you know, through singing old church hymns, Old Rugged Cross and Amazing Grace and How Great Thou Art, you know, think, you know the songs that we all, you know, kind of you know, grew up knowing, or grew up knowing. Um, and then I got to college and kind of messed around with this band and, and started learning some some background harmonies and stuff and found out I could really I could really add more than anything. <laughs> the guy uh, Adam Calfey, who was the band leader, uh, we had one practice. He's like, "Here, here's a tape. Listen to this, and then come back for practice, and we'll we'll sing." And he goes, "Try to add some harmony to it." And so I got the um, the nickname VD. And, and from a Christian band because he said it added vocal depth. He just looks at me and goes, v, you got VD, man. You got VD. And, of course, you know, I'm thinking something completely different. But So, so he, didn't, he didn't understand what he was no, saying? No, in his mind, he was thinking you're adding vocal depth. You, you, you just you got VD, brother. And well, that's my, interesting. In my hand, I'm thinking I, I, maybe a penicillin. I went to Ball State, and uh -huh. uh, when I was there, somebody vandalized all the stop signs around campus. Yeah. And they put VD on the bottom of them, so they all said stop, stop VD. VD. <laughs> So what they were really saying was they needed to stop the vocal depth. It was just too much for them. See, and that's you got to have vocal depth. I think you got to have you know you got to have that harmony. Harmony's good. But uh, does penicillin take care of vocal depth? If you I, I, depth? I don't know. I'm allergic to it. I could never take it. So I always I always kept. Apparently, the VD. It didn't you? And you never got rid of your VD. <laughs> it's hot, so we have to stop and drink water. Yeah, it's it's little. It's toasty. Hydration is needed. Yeah. So. Um, you know, uh, you, so you started playing in a band in college. Mm -hmm. Is that when you started writing songs? That's uh, no, that really didn't happen until later on. Like I said, I I didn't really know what I was doing. You know, I had no idea. I, I you know, I could kind of figure out harmonies and stuff like that. And I, I guess I would listen to the radio and and kind of, I was always really good at making parodies of songs and like you know hearing a song and so you're like the Weird Al Yankovic yes, of the generation. Yes, I see. I I I admired the guy because he could take this popular song and ruin it you know in a totally different way and and but make it hilarious and i you know i was the funny guy i was i was the kid who was picked on so you you find out that to be liked if you can't be athletic 
and if you aren't as musical as what you should be, and I was neither one of those at the time, I could be funny. And so I could make a parody out of a song after listening to it one time. And it was, you know, it was something I did. So I parodied a lot of stuff, but I guess I really, I didn't really start writing songs until I got married. And, and that's, you know, and I really focused, um, you know, I, I found that new passion to play music again, you know, to really learn how to play, to, how to play the guitar. And I guess I grew up musically under Google and YouTube, you know. Um, I, I've learned pretty much everything. Nobody, I've never taken a lesson from anybody. I just, I went to, you know, the internet and said, how do I play this song, you know, and what are the proper ways to strike a chord and, you know, strumming pattern and things like that. And, um, but it was about 2002, my wife and I were living in a mobile home um, there on the west side of Indy, just north of Avon. And uh, we moved up in the world and we got uh, DirecTV. And at the time, DirecTV had this channel that would play 12 hours of VeggieTales, the same episode over and over for 12 hours. I, I remember that channel. Six to six. And then from 6 o'clock at night until 6 a.m. in the morning, they played Eric Clapton's One More Car, One More Rider Tour. And it was filmed in the Staples Center. It was their last like couple nights they filmed this over. And I, I, I watched it, and I actually got to, you know, because everybody liked Clapton. You know, Clapton was cool, and he could play guitar really well. But I never really paid attention to an artist on their style and things like that until I saw that concert. And I watched him... And and Nathan East, you know his bass player, and Steve Gadd, his drummer, and Andy Fairweather Lowe, and all these. Billy Preston was in this band, so he had like this super group of people, and I'm like, everybody is so good, and they make it look so easy. And Clapton would just play these solos that were, you know, nothing you heard on an album. They were he would make a new one up every night, but they were so clean and so amazing. And I watched that in awe, and I went, I want to do that. You know, I want to I want to play guitar where I'm not paying attention to what I'm playing. I'm just playing what comes out of me. And so I started, you know, that's where I learned how to play. And uh, and then, you know, a few years later, I started like, well, maybe I could write my own stuff. So I kind of wrote what I was about at the time. I wrote some other stuff, you know, that wasn't that good. And but I, when I started focusing on what, you know, what what do I enjoy, you know, or what makes me who I am? And I started writing about stuff like that. Then it became fun. Then it became, man, I could really do something with this. So about 20 years later, I finally started doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, out of college, what did you, what did you do? Uh, the, you went to college for? I went to college, uh, graduated with a BS in criminology. And I got an internship um, my senior year with, I, it was IPD at the time, what's now IMPD, the Metropolitan, Metropolitan Police Department here in Indy. And uh, got an internship, which led to a job offer and went through that whole process of a year of, you know, trying to get on this police department that everybody in the world wanted to get on. And I got on and lasted four weeks, messed up my knee started working in the jail because they're like, well, your knee has to get better to finish the academy, so we're gonna put you in the jail and you're gonna fingerprint people and then we'll bring you back come the next rotation. And so did that for a little bit, then I went back into the academy, lasted four more weeks, and uh, they showed a video of a, of a police officer, a state trooper down in Georgia, got shot and killed, and they showed it like beginning to end. And I was newly married, you know, still, I hadn't grown up yet, didn't know what I really wanted to do with my life. It was just what I always thought I wanted to do. I'm like, nope, I'm out. You know, I, I didn't want to, you know, have my wife worry about me, you know, with that. And it, things weren't that good at home at that time. We, like I say, we were newly married and newlyweds. 
you know, you're learning how to live together. And she was watching <laughs> me change because when they when they put you in an academy or you know a military you know the military or whatever they're constantly grilling you and, and trying to change your person you know to be what they need you to be whether it's a soldier a police officer whatever and my wife was watching it at the same time and this is the person that she'd known for like four years as one guy and i'd come home and all of a sudden i was hugging the walls when i was walking you know through the house or she would say something and i'd say ma'am yes ma'am out of habit from doing it all day you know <laughs> she's like i don't uh, this is weird you know and i so i quit i went back to work at the jail had a blast it was a low paying job but it was great because it wasn't the same people that come in every day and it was you know it was almost entertaining really um and, but it wasn't making any money whatsoever and a friend of mine who i went to high school with um told me about a job at the railroad and said he was working, making, he pretty much was making my paycheck, my two-week paycheck in three days. And so I'm like, I ought to check this out, you know. And so I ended up applying, going to school for that. And for 17 years, I'd been a railroader until last fall. So, Right. So, uh, you know, I, I know your story, but mm -hmm. I don't know that everybody does. Um, that's part of why you're here, mm -hmm. you know, to talk about it. I know you do a, a lot of music, and that's yes. part of a big part of your life. But there's another part of your life where you're, um, you know, a YouTube guy. Yes. YouTuber, YouTuber, them. yeah, you, uh, uh, a YouTuber, vlogger, online personality. <laughs> I don't know. Um, my my wife is a food blogger, and she uh, she got good at it over time. She you know she honed her craft, and she had a blog. She still has it. It's called Goodness. My last name Goodnessgracious.com, and she started like making money off of it. And like through ads and things like that, and she's like, you know what, this this is really fulfilling. I really enjoy what I'm doing. I can contract out my other work on the side instead of you know working for someone just one you know one entity. I can go work for everybody, and I could blog on the side and make a secondary revenue off of it. And she did that for a while, and then she started up RecipesThatCrock.com, which is what most people would know her by, and that blog exploded I mean just it just took off like a rocket it's still flying really high um, and it's all slow cooker recipes instant pot recipes things of that nature mm. and um, as she was getting really good at it I was getting really bad at liking my job and um, you know working different hours and being away from home so much and um, we she's like she told me because every year at the end of the year she would write a goal list down and these were her yearly goals that she wanted to meet over the next 12 months. And then one year she was going through like her second or third year of goals and going through and she goes, all right, I'm gonna start writing some new goals out. And she goes, by the way, you're one of them. And I'm like, I'm one of them, what, what do you mean? She goes, well, you like to do videos, usually silly videos, funny stuff, you know, slapstick. She goes, I would like to develop that. I don't know what to do with it yet, but I really feel like you've got something there. Why don't we develop the channel to where it's really got something with it? And she goes, now I'm gonna tie my business with it. So there's a lot of, you know, a lot of requirements, you know, the criteria that we've got to meet or not meet, you know, as far as, it's got to be something for everybody. You know, it's got to be something that my kid could watch. And, you know, but others will enjoy as well. And so we took a trip, a business trip down to Florida. And over the course of a long weekend, we sat next to the pool and wrote and wrote. I got pages in a, in a journal at home of all kinds of ideas uh, of things that, you know, might work or might not work. And the one that we picked up on was, you know, I'm like, why don't I cook your recipes from your blog 
and put them on the YouTube channel and show people how easy it is to make really good food. You know, the shtick was, well, if this redneck could do it, anybody could. She's like, you know, let's let's go with that. We'll try it. So we went home. We tried a few other ideas, but the one that really stuck was cooking Chris's dishes. So our YouTube channel turned into as good as it gets. And that's where, you know, every once in a while you'll see some, some music on there and I'm probably going to branch that to another channel at some point, but the majority of it and will continue to be is me. Sometimes it's me. Sometimes it's me and my, actually now it'll major, majorly be Chris and I, every once in a while, our daughter, Miss Ad comes in and joins us. And then aunt Lou, who is my wife's sister, who also works for the business, you know, develops recipes and does everything. When she comes up every once in a while, we'll film with her and everybody seems to love Aunt Lou as well. So that's the other, that's one of the other sides of me anyway. All right, so your channel, I mean, obviously mm -hmm. you started out with nothing. Where are you at at this point? Uh, we've got, I checked, uh, in fact, I just checked it a while ago. Everything's up really, really good right now. Uh, we're over 17,500, probably 17,515, 17,520 in subscribers. Um, and two years ago, we had, I think we had just hit a thousand and celebrated. So we gained a thousand our first year. We gained like another 10,000 our second year. Then we gained another, you know, or another like eight, 8,000 the second year and then another 10,000, something like that the next year. So we're, we're on, on schedule right now, probably by the end of the year, I'm hoping to hit somewhere between 19 and 20,000. And it's a game, you know, I, those numbers are, I guess when you look at as far as the success of a channel. You know, you're absolutely looking at those numbers, but what we look at more is the engagement with the people. You know, we've got people that I've never met in my entire life that I consider really good friends just by the way that they supported us on the channel. Some are even supporters on, a, on Patreon, you know, and, um, but just the positive comments. Cause our, you know, our tagline for everything now is laugh often, eat good food and speak life. And we try to impress that upon what who on the our, our subscribers who we call them the croc posse and you know we we Which really I think is a great uh, my my <laughs> my cousin i got to give props to my cousin wendell i he was a guy that i used to work with and uh i told him i said we want we don't just want to call them our subscribers we want to you know we want something to do with croc pots but we don't know what she goes so you're wanting a name for your from your posse and i'm like croc posse oh my gosh I stopped everything I was doing. I was stopping trains to call my wife just to say, we got a name for this, our subscribers. But that that's where we come from on what we do now is it, we cook good food. You know, it's, if, it, if it shows up there on the channel, it's been tested. It's at least Mikey approved. And, you know, to where I know it's going to be good that I'll eat it on camera and not grimace. Um, but what we, what we strive to do is we want to go beyond feeding your belly. You know, we want to be a channel that feed someone's soul at the same time that's where you know you, you laugh often you'll see me burn myself do something silly come up with a dad joke almost every time on the channel that's our laugh often eat good food we're cooking good food so we know? need a, a dad joke on the spot now i need a dad I need... joke on the spot yeah. well i was in the kitchen the other day and i started taking her utensils from her and she's like don't you take my favorite utensil and i figured that was a whisk i was willing to take how was that? Uh, was that, that that's was that pretty quick? Totally right in Thanks. the dad. That's that's dad zones. But see, that's that's the other part of it. Is I want I want people to laugh, but I also want them to to feel good about you know feel, take pride in food or take pride in their life, and that's where the speak life portion of what we do comes on. Is you know we want to speak life into people. Uh, Brennan Manning, a uh, very popular author, Christian author, says um, in every exchange you either give life or you take it. There's no 
there's no equal exchange. And what we want to do when we're talking to a camera, we're not just talking to a piece of plastic and some glass and you know a, and a microphone. We're talking to the person on the other side of that of that camera, the person that's watching us on a monitor, and we want to make that impression of who we really are. We don't fake it on a camera. We are who we are. I got to meet a, a crock posse member of ours a couple weeks ago. Uh, had a good time, went out for a beer. He, he lives real close, and I messaged him like, for somebody who lives this close, I would love to meet you. And we went out, and as we were talking, I said, you know, I'm the same guy off camera that I am <laughs> on camera. And he goes, you know, I can really see that about you. And that made such an impression on me that we're not fake. And I, I want to be so transparent. We all do in our family for what we do on this channel. We want to be transparent. I'm the same person here that I am tomorrow morning when I go lead worship at church. The same person that I am that goes and leads worship at church is the same person that goes and smashes his finger on a deck, and and can say and can wake his neighbors up saying some you know pretty harsh things. I'm just that guy, you know. So when you speak life into somebody through what we do on our channel or through my music, you know, it's to it's to lift them up, to build them up, you know. Whether it's let me show you what love is, you know, the marriage that I have is not perfect whatsoever, but it's. It's what you make of it, for sure. And the, that woman, you know, not only has she given me a beautiful child, and, you know, she supported me and still continues to support me, whether it's music, career, whatever it is. She, I mean, she is everything for me. And so when I play a love song, I'm not like, oh, let me write a love song that will, you know, make the ladies in the audience swoon. Honestly, I don't care about them. But I know that I'm going to show them this is the kind of love I've got for my wife, you know. So that's the speak life. That's the definitely the speak life portion of it, you know. So, um, I mean, that's that's it's really it's really cool. Mm -hmm. I I uh, love your channel. I've Thank watched you. and cooked a whole bunch of the stuff. <laughs> that's what we love uh, here. <laughs> the, um, you know. Your hat is food related. Yes. And yet it's my favorite movie related too. Yours too? Bubba Gump Shrimp yes. Company. And uh, the odd thing is that when we were uh, coming here this morning to start shooting all these episodes, uh, my daughter and I started talking about Forrest Gump in kind of a spiritual way mm -hmm. because um, to me it's a um, it's a, a movie made about the universal truth of the spiritualness mm -hmm. of humans no matter what their religion is, because I studied many different religions right. trying to figure out what I believe. Mm -hmm. And what I found was that they all have a common thread, which is, you know, um, you know, human spirituality and mm -hmm. the way people connect together and love each other. And, right. And um, Forrest Gump is, to me, one of the best movies ever because it speaks that language. It's, it's to me, it's, <laughs> you know? it's, it is my favorite movie of all time. I mean, it was, it was there between that and Wizard of Oz just because... I like the musical. But no, Forrest Gump is—it's the movie. I don't—I've yet to see any movie that even comes close to it. And I—it's funny. It's got Tom Hanks in it, so you've got those two together. Uh, you on can't the surface, go wrong. You know, underneath it, it's talking. You know, Forrest Gump is us. You mm -hmm. know, like uh, you know the way that we are—we persevere when great things happen and when terrible things yep. happen, and no matter what it is. You know that's the you know that's the the guy that's put in the middle of there, you know, and you get to see how he copes with all those different things, and that's wonderful. But then you just look at it like, okay, so how do friendships get made? And they, you know, there's like really a lot of that, yep. you know. And then uh, you know, and I think that uh, that sort of thing touches everything, and it, 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 you know, it's obviously pervasive. Oh, absolutely. That those kind of things are in your life and in your channel. Well, look, so cool. look at Forrest and how he lived his life. You know, 
he kept running, you know, <laughs> no matter whether it was from something, you know, boys chasing him in a truck throwing rocks or in Vietnam and he was running, you know, boys chased him because Jenny told him to run. And then he, he developed who he was, his sense of who he was through running, got him into football. Mm-hmm. It, it pulled him away from danger. It saved others' lives. You know, and then it was a way to blow off steam. Whenever Jenny left, he takes, what, three years and runs across the country back and forth, you know, all that. But then, just like you said, with his demeanor, Forrest never saw a man for his color. He never saw a person for their sex. He never saw somebody for anything other than what was at their heart. He saw another human being. You know, and if if we all treated each other like that, you know, not of, you know, he couldn't, he didn't care where he sat on the bus. He just wanted to sit down. So we sat next to the pretty girl, you know, where everybody else was shunning him because of his braces and his legs and because he was, you know, slower in thought. And then later on, he, he could make friends with anybody, you know, and he didn't see Bubba as the black man, you know, from, you know, Bayou Labatry. He saw, uh, you know, he just saw this guy who, with a kind heart, you know, the way he treated Lieutenant Dan, who treated him like crap in the movie. And he, and if you, that's exactly. something else that I see is Lieutenant Dan was, you know, he was hard, you know, this hard military guy. And then he becomes friends with Lieutenant Dan. And in the end, you know, Lieutenant he saved Dan. Lieutenant Dan. Exactly. Not just like in the war, but like and he mentally later. And he didn't know? do it by you know, I mean, I think at one point he's, you know, he says, I believe I'm going to heaven, Lieutenant Dan. And that's pretty much all they talk spiritually other than the fact that Lieutenant Dan connects with God through a storm, as we all do. (laughs) But Forrest, without beating Lieutenant Dan over the head with the Bible, just loved him as a person, as as the, 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 the child of God that Lieutenant Dan was. And I think that's all that Forrest saw. So, yeah, just like that is a moving movie, you know, it, it really is. I want to live my life the same way. You know, I, I have my beliefs. You know, I, I firmly believe in Jesus. But if I were to, you know, go anywhere and beat you in the face with the Bible, it just, is, is that going to, you know, it, no, it's not going to do it's anything. It's the worst thing to convince anyone to beat him over the head with just about anything. In, it, there's, a, there's a verse in Colossians that says that you're to season everything, that you're to have with all your conversations, there to be se- you're there to be with grace and season with salt. Now let's go back to cooking. If I don't put any salt in a dish whatsoever, it's going to be bland, right? You're yeah. not going to eat it. Go the other way. If I dump a whole batch of salt into it, a whole you box mean of like salt when into it. People something. accidentally grab the salt instead of the sugar. I've done or? that in coffee. Oh, it's the worst ever. It makes your face pucker, but it, it makes you it makes you not want it, you know. But if I just season it with a little bit of salt, you're going to go, man. That tastes really good, you know. And I think if if we lived our lives like Forrest, where he's just you know naturally seasoned with salt, he's not bland at all, but he doesn't force his belief or whatever on someone else. He just lives his life the way it is. It's attractive. It's tasteful, you know. So that's what we do, you know. We know what we believe. We even I think in one of our one of our earlier episodes we even talked about it and said, so you know where we come from. This is what we believe, you know. This is how we live our lives. Other than that, sit back and just enjoy the channel because that's what we're here for. So that's what we do. Well, um, you're going to play some music for us in just a minute. Yes. I really, really appreciate you coming on the show. I'm glad to be here. And I want to come and cook mac and cheese on your show. I tell you what, as much as you've talked about that mac and cheese, I kind of want some. We do like low carbon stuff, but <laughs> well, you know, I can this cheat. will be high carb. High, well, that's okay. That's <laughs> Very okay. You, high carb. We need some high carb every once in a while, I think. <laughs> All right. Great. <laughs> hey, Thanks man. for being here. Appreciate, appreciate it, brother. It. Thank you. We'll be right back with some music from Mikey Good on Moonshine and Music.
Next week on Moonshine and Music, in our season finale, Gypsy Moonshine is in studio, and they rock the house. A little bit of duo band action here, and it sounds a lot like this. And it's First one I'm gonna do is called Still Got a Crush. Well, it's Saturday night, we're out on the town, and I don't even notice anybody else around because, baby, I only got my eyes on you. Just being your man, yeah, baby My whole world revolves around you And I still get dizzy every time that you kiss me And my heart skips a beat or two Because, baby, I still got a crush on you without you and I still get dizzy every time that you kiss me and my heart skips a beat or two because baby I still got a crush on you oh here we go Cause baby, I still got a crush on you. Thank you. <clears throat> so, most of the stuff that I do is out of love. Um, you get a wife like mine, you don't think of much else. I know that sounds sappy and all, but I'm a captain man and I'm cool with it because she's a good woman. Uh, she bought me this guitar 
uh, on our 13th wedding anniversary. And she said, I'm buying you this because I believe in you. And so, oh yeah. And so uh, uh, when I got the guitar, you know, I was messing around with it. I loved this guitar even before I ever bought it. And I was like, man, if I'm gonna, you know, honor her with her uh, buy me this guitar, she gets the first song off of it. So this is a song I wrote for my wife called A Better Man. cold day to do this <laughs> all right uh last one i'm gonna do here i get you want a three right all right i got tuned down for it the other way 
I grew up in a junkyard, literally in the middle of a junkyard. Our house was surrounded by scrap cars and trucks and equipment. And that's how dad made his living was cutting up steel and, you know, sending it off to get processed. So <clears throat> I don't know if you can tell this by looking at him, but I used to be a chubby little kid. And, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I wasn't, I, I was a pacifistic kind of child and, and, you know, never wanted to, to scrap or anything like that. But I got picked on quite a bit till the summer that dad said, all right, get off your butt. We're going out to work. And for the next like three summers, he stuck me in that junkyard and, um, he would cut up steel and I would throw it in a truck. And if I missed, it would bounce off the truck and hit me in the head. You only learn, you don't have to do that a couple times to learn that you got to get that metal up in that truck. And so I got big, I got strong from it. And uh, it's funny how the, the kids didn't want to pick on me no more. So this one's called Junkyard Dog. So I turned the other cheek And all them boys in high school Used to love to push me around It was fun to whoop up On a sad little pup And then knock me to the ground But then summer came And daddy put me in a junkyard Working every day I was slinging steel with my bare hands Just to make him a little pain And by the end of the summer I was two inches taller I was strong and I was lean I was built like a brick outhouse With an attitude that junkyard made me mean Well, everybody knows you don't mess with a junkyard dog Cause you might just bite off more than you can chew You don't kick them around, you don't poke them with the stick It's the last thing you should do Cause what you gonna do when a junkyard dog gets turned loose on you Let's turn it loose on Shoulders standing tall I was done being the boy That took a beating with my back against the wall And all those boys that bullied me They started stepping to the side They knew I wouldn't take any more of their stuff And I wasn't afraid to fight But there was one fella that wasn't too bright And he took a swing at me Well he swung and he missed Then I fed him my fist And a couple of his front teeth he sat there all dazed and confused like a ship in the fog You bet he learned his lesson that he shouldn't go messing with a dang old junkyard dog Well, everybody knows you don't mess with a junkyard dog Cause you might just bite off more than you can chew You don't kick him around, you don't poke him with a stick It's the last thing you should do what you gonna do when a junkyard dog gets turned loose on you? I say, what you gonna do when this junkyard dog gets turned loose on you?
Thank you. Woo! Appreciate it. Thank you very much. I want to thank everybody for joining us today on Moonshine and Music. Thank you, Mikey Good, for an incredible performance. Really, really awesome. Join us next week for the final episode of Season 1 with Gypsy Moonshine in studio. I want to thank our partner, Eat New Media, for putting together all the stuff they put together. If you need some video work, go to eatnewmedia.com. And Brent Smith, thank you for hosting the shows. We really appreciate it. And um, so I guess that's all I got for today. Why don't we wrap it up right here? Thank you for joining us on Moonshine and Music. Moonshine and Music is a presentation of Eat New Media in association with Not Less Entertainment. Producers for today's program are Brandon Lay and Joe Shelton. Be sure to join us next time on Moonshine and Music.